Welcome to another episode of Moped Outlaws. And today we are blessed and privileged to have as our guest Tongo Eisen Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good to see you. Hey, good to see y'all. Yeah. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of reference, um, I saw your performance with um, Dr. Davis at College of Marin a few weeks ago. Mm hmm. And, yeah, man. Uh, uh, where I was, uh, you know, honored to uh, to rock with Cash Killing, uh, the uh, the man, the myth, the legend among aliens. <laughs> yeah, legend among aliens. I've never heard that before. That's awesome, <laughs> man. I am just a bit perplexed of how to dive in. One thing. For me, your poetry, I think I could take a lifetime to digest one poem. Mm. Um, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you you uh, you feel that way as opposed to uh, off put. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely among a receptive group here for sure. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I was just going to say we we've taken some time and energy to educate ourselves and do the work to decolonize our minds, <laughs> and on. we are familiar with a lot of the things that um, inform white blindness around issues <laughs> that are a big subject. And so uh, we've actually can see the lifelong path to healing that we're on with open eyes now, as opposed to being completely like in the dark about that stuff. Mm. But I'll say to a footnote for that, for me is I'm listening to the 1619 project now Mm -hmm. and it's really beautifully built in. I, I always think like, okay, I'm kind of on top of this and then realize, Oh, no, I'm not on top of it. No. <laughs> well, I said lifelong. Well, and what also can kind of like accelerate that decolonization is um, praxis. When I, when I, what I, what I found um, kind of, you know, with white people who have, you know, who kind of flex, um, the grooviest consciousness. <laughs> they're, they're, they're usually involved in a lifelong process of of struggle, of collective struggle. Um, and, and so, you know, it's interesting. You know, there's this uh, uh, in, uh, in in Buddhism. Or in my rough understanding of this certain lineage of Buddhism, there are um, three vehicles in the path to enlightenment. 
and the uh, the first vehicle is, is called is known as the lesser vehicle, or or called the um, the Hinayana uh, path. And in that section of your journey, what 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 happens is you just learn how to detach yourself um, from hope and fear, from past and future. Uh, and, and then this, the next vehicle known as the greater vehicle, the Mahayana, is, is where you basically take a vow that you will not enter enlightenment until all sentient beings are freed. And so your next, you know, the next leg of the journey is completely dedicated to, you know, to collective liberation. And it's interesting, you can even get to the end of the first path. You can be completely divorced from fear and, and and hope and these kind of attachments, but still not yet be at the finish line. And it requires an orientation towards your cultivation of working, you know, for the benefit of others um, that, that really gets you um, gets you to the finish line. So I think like, you know, similarly, you know, we can, we can do a lot of reading. We can do a lot of study. We can watch our mouths. <laughs> we can watch our thoughts. Um, but ultimately, it's engaging in struggle, taking on the system, and taking on this ruling class. Uh, that it's it's through that that step that that uh, you're safest. <laughs> your your evolution your your evolution is assured you know i mean especially like the you know these days i mean where i, I think it, there's kind of two features of united states oppression that really stand out against other um empires in history and that is um uh uh, uh concession <laughs> like surrender and and an appropriation of its uh, of of its own of resistance to it. So you know, it, there there really is a tricky soup to swim in when you're still engaging reality from a like kind of an individualism. But fear not, <laughs> you 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 both will be, you'll be okay. We will be presented with opportunities and challenges to up-level ourselves at every turn. Man, especially as contradictions heighten, you know, especially as this mode of production just, you know, operates in permanent crisis, more more and more we're going to, you know, you're going to be faced with a historical choice. Before we move on, Greg, I'd, I'd like to ask Tongo if you would mind telling us what the third vehicle is. Uh, it's the Vajrayana, which is where you, this is where you, uh, integrate into your mind, I guess, this like, uh, and this is probably the most difficult vehicle to, to explain, but it's basically where you completely come to terms with the illusory nature of reality when you really get into the, you know, form and formlessness, you know, that, that whole, that whole play when, when the, when the unrealness becomes real to you in a, in a, in a, in a very intimate way. That's my rough, my rough take. It's, it's called the diamond vehicle. 
is indestructible. Thank you for that. And not just when you're on mushrooms. <laughs> you got to be careful, man. Mushrooms, man, you know, they, they, mushrooms might get you a, uh, might might get you a, a, a kind of like a taste. Uh, but, um, you know, ultimately, man, you know, your ego is probably still running wild, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know you're still, you're, you still have an agenda. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I mean? And I read, I read something too that said, you know, basically like, you know, only through like, you know, this kind of real disciplined practice, do you really integrate? you know, these realizations. So you could actually have like a mega realization. Let's say the ego doesn't uh, hitch a ride on, on one of these trips. You still, because it's not, you know, it's, it's just a break from regular scheduled machinery. Um, it won't stick. Right. Non-abiding awakening. Right. Right. Yeah. Would you be willing to say a bit more about, Surrender. I didn't quite catch that earlier. You said the two elements of. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 um, what, and this is all really lifted from, um, there's this groovy book called An Economic Interpretation of the Constitution uh, by this cat named, uh, I think his name was Charles A. Beard. Um, but he, he argues, well, he says, you know, okay, this is the four ways that these so-called founding fathers were making a fortune. This is how a federal government uh, <clears throat> ensured or, or kept safe these economic endeavors. And further, in the, Const- in the Constitutional Convention itself, there was another enemy. So there were two enemies. There was the rest of the world that, you know, because the United States, they wanted to enter the the global contest of empires. There was, so there was the, you know, there was that contest. And then there was the internal enemy and what they described as unchecked democracy. That was the, you know, that was kind of the word for keeping everybody <laughs> in check. And so... Now, when you look at kind of checks and balances, when you look at the dance between, you know, different, you know, from the local to the federal state, like what you what you actually have is a system of pressure release valves. Because, see, if we're all oppressed and the site or the seat of our oppression is that castle, it's easy for us to storm it. Right. But now, if you kind of diffuse power into these different branches and then these different departments and all of these bureaucracies, we don't know what building the storm and we don't know whose head to cut off, you know? <laughs> right? And, and, and we always feel like we have someone we can talk to. So it's like, oh, you got a problem with your mayor, go to your governor, you got a problem with the governor, Go to your congressperson. You got a problem with Congress. Well, the president might be cool. You got a problem with the president. Well, fear not, the Supreme Court might be, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, and so it's just like it's all this 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 pressure really to get people to feel like, oh, things are socially e- evolving. But now, interestingly, I think we're entering an epoch where the iron fist is kind of reconsolidating. Like when you look at the moves of the Supreme Court, um, when you look at, you know, kind of the effects of these decades of gerrymandering and all of these maneuverings, there was even, um, man, I forget, what was that cat's name? One of Trump's real architects, Steve Bannon. Yeah, that's it. So there's a clip of Steve Bannon saying that, Trump might not have to go to the voters again just because they there was a, a scheme to manipulate um oh what is it it was like a, it, there there was a way to manipulate the state judiciary so that they could not interfere with if a, if a member of the electoral college wanted to not go with the popular vote or something they could, they could just, they, they would not be fettered. I, I right. They would be unbound by the obligation to recognize the popular vote in their state, and they could vote according to their own will. Right, right. Without, without, without a, without like state judges being able to interfere as they are able to now. And it was actually, I think, it was a Supreme Court case. Hmm. And it, it was dangerous because you know we see that the Supreme Court is off the off the rails or true to form, truer truer to form. So right. you know you have now this you kind of have the, the these overtures of a more overt fascism um, that that uh, you know that that kind of like. Again, puts it puts puts us on a precipice that will require you to to uh, tie your evolution to uh, to collective action. Um, I, I'm echoing a little bit. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm guessing that's you, Greg. No, I don't hear an echo. Oh, all right. Check check. It's gone now. Okay. <laughs> um. Does anything readily come to mind where you say we could take action in this process? Like, does anything come to mind that is right action? Well, it, it, that's, you know, man, if, if I had the equation, I would for sure, I would, I would for sure make it kinetic, man. I, you know, I, the, the, the kind of was tried and true, um is you know basically for the for the person who has decided they want to you know join a more humanizing process to start with whatever speaks the most to you so if you know like say if this you know this this uh this this handmaid's tale of a <laughs> Uh, move against abortion, you know, speaks, you take, you know, take on the, take on that fight. If the kids in the cages, we see that, um, Biden, uh, is, is, is basically gonna, um, is basically using a cousin strategy to, uh, to what, what, what Trump did as far as criminalizing asylum seekers, you know, so take, 
you know, take that on if, um, you know, if like like the in San Francisco, the killing of Banco Brown, you know, this, you know, extrajudicial killing of black people, extrajudicial killing of trans people, you know, take take that on. So you kind of you just start with what speaks to you the most. But then you what 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 the the constant synthesis and uh, almost like resynthesis comes from then uh, a, a kind of you know just a, a, a inquiry into um, or or just a you know an education um, self directed or collectively directed on just you know political economy. How does this society work? What would true transformation be? And then, you know, so then you have this kind of theoretical framework that you're bouncing your um, your local praxis off of. Like, okay, well, how does how we're going about this? How does this uh, uh, measure uh, when when looking at the, the the kind of the necessary historical task? Um. You know, that's 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 one that's one route. That's if you don't want to just join a communist organization. <laughs> I don't know I don't know where I don't know where these communist organizations are at with it right now. Uh but you know, you, you can always shortcut that. One of the things I think is relevant to the conversation is that as an artist your art is informed by this elevated level of conscious awareness. And that in the past, one of the roles of artists has been to shift the narrative, to create more awareness throughout. And that that's been part of the nutritious aspect of the artistic output is the way that it challenges norms and and wakes people up and brings us into greater resonance together. So I want to ask you a question about, poetry Mm -hmm. is that okay are you ready to shift into that let us shift in the (laughs) so we had recently (laughs) as a guest uh a man named um woodrow who's actually known by his hip-hop mc name mc radioactive Mm. and he brings this immense artistic quality to what he does and he's relentless in his uh human love for people and what I picked up in the work that you're doing is a similar form of love, but it's brought through this really powerful call to action. This really like really wake up to what's happening around you. And I'm wondering how you survive as a poet and, and what are the economics of that for you? <laughs> survive as a poet, man. Uh you know, by the by the skin of my teeth, man. You know, it's, it, especially uh, uh, given the, the current cost of living, man. With a you know, with an electric bill, it's five hundred dollars. You know, uh, with uh, you know, two hundred dollars easily for what should be seventy five dollars worth of groceries, right? Um, so it's it's uh you know i mean i guess uh, some actionable intel for those who would <laughs> who would be, who would be poets you basically uh piece it together um so 
You know, I, I think the like the majority of income. Well, it depends. Some people play it different ways. I think it depends on. You know, it depends on kind of what niche you want to stay loyal to. It's an interesting discipline in that because there's no commercial viability to it. On the one hand, you have kind of a meritocracy uh, so that you can kind of like poem your way to a decent altitude. But then at the same time, because there's no... Uh, there's no uh, balance of unchecked democracy <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, because it's not like, oh, let the fans de- decide, you know, because unfortunately, no, you know, people will never heard of you. Um, you know, it does kind of like it, 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 it it's, it's kind of strangled by by gatekeepers. Um, the good news, though, is that, you know, gatekeepers included pretty much everybody who is, you know, a, a part of like various poetry scenes are just in it for the love of poetry. It's just people who like language. It's not, it's not, it's not like, oh, uh, Lions and tigers and gangsters, you know, what I mean? facilitating this, uh, facilitating this process is pretty much just sensitive people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, but, but, uh, so, but, so, so you can kind of dance with that a few different ways. Some people, you know, make a home in fellowships and residencies and are, you know, kind of have a mind for selling themselves in that way or, have a mind for kind of applications, grants, these type of things. Uh, some people kind of uh, 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 lean on academia, uh, make, make uh, you know, kind of make a, a living or barely make a living teaching. Um, a lot, uh, so, some poets, uh, you know, can make a decent amount of money uh, performing you know, and just kind of piecing it together there. Um, Or, you know, some combination. And then there, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of chump change to be made off of book sales themselves. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of royalties paid on books. Um, not necessarily because these publishing companies are shady. It's just, it's just kind of like poetry publishing is kind of organized around the assumption actually that books are not going to sell well. And, and so it's basically like the contract is organized so that, you know, the publishing company gets their money back (laughs) and can can get their own money. So they get their money back. And then, you know, and and I mean, you know, especially like small presses, mid-sized presses that basically that facilitate the majority of poetry. Like they're always doing bad, not bad, but like it's always by the skin of their teeth and it's a labor of love. Um, uh, from, by most of these publishers, so it's just you know, it's just, it, it, it kind of it kind of is what it is. But if you you know, if you get a, a big enough readership, or you know what what uh, 
books that that are well traveled are books that end up being taught mm-hmm. in colleges. Mm-hmm. If you get a, if one of your books gets taught, then it can you know it'll sell a lot and and it will uh, uh, it'll boost your boost your public uh, presence up. But ultimately, man, I don't I don't make. I, I I wouldn't even call it maybe a lower working class yeah. uh, living, but see, but what I get paid in though is time <clears throat> because so I, I might not make, uh, you know, or, or let's say I just, just a regular working class living, but I don't have to work uh, 40 hours a week. You know, I don't, I don't have to be producing for 40 hours a week for the same the same give back, you know. So I go do a gig, and it's twenty minutes on the microphone. <laughs> so it's the time that that uh, that that really is the is what I get paid in, and why I'm able then to keep a pretty decent political praxis going, you know. Which is also can also be selfish because kind of like. Almost back to an earlier part in the in um, in the in the, in the question, um, you know, there is kind of a, you know a lot of the heavy lifting of crap takes place before you even pick up the pen, and it's how much you know how much a, a, a kind of like like consciousness. So craft can almost can only be so dynamic when consciousness is only but so dynamic and consciousness can only be but so dynamic when it's, you know, when it's when it's uh, not resting on real practice of what you um, of what you believe in. So there's a you know, there's kind of like a groovy uh, reciprocation that happens So this would be a good point to interject that if any of you listening to the podcast want to make a direct contribution, you can go to tongoasinmartin.bandcamp and listen to and purchase some spoken word from him directly. And uh, so if you hear hear that, please go ahead and do that and, and support this artist. Um, I'd also like to answer, ask another question, if I may, Greg, are you prepared? Um, There's some movement that we see publicly publicized in Sacramento and also in San Francisco that is starting to look like actual reparations payments might happen. And I'm wondering how you see that. Is that um, another form of spiritual bypassing? Like, let's throw some money at this and then or do you think that there's there's some potentially some real value that could occur as a result of that. How do you see that? Um, well, I, I see it a few ways. I mean, it's, there, there's, there's, um, you know, I mean, again, with a $500, like, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at some breathing room. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, I think, uh, and, and this is not actually an, an, an original assessment, and I forgot who I was, I forgot where this is plagiarized from. But someone <laughs> was uh, uh, postulating that actually 
what reparations with these reparations conversations are just is just a sub movement in the movement for universal basic income and these kind of programs that will be rolled out to, you know, to really to save to to save the system from open revolt. Right, That's what I was thinking is it's UBI and, and reparations are another way to placate the masses. I think so. I, I, I think I think so. I, I think it's it's a I think it's an opiate. But I but I, I wouldn't. It's an, I think it's an opiate, but it's it's not something. There are some opiates I would fight tooth and nail. Um, this one is just kind of it's it's almost uh, secondary. It feels like a, a too much of. I, I mean one. How, you know, like how long it will dance in the ether of, of, uh, of, of kind of, you know, of, of political theater. You know, we don't know, you know what I mean? Like, is this going to be the tug of war that, you know, cause that's the thing about this U.S. hegemony. It's like we really just sit back and are satiated by just watching the tug of war, you know? We know, like we know in 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 practice, we're still going to be basically living in a fascist reality. Like we really watch, uh, you know, this this Biden thing, right? you know, and it's and it's like, man, has anybody? I mean, we watched this Obama thing. Did anybody's life change? Did any oppressed people become uh, free? No, right. But just to watch the theater. Uh, makes us, you know, makes us makes us more comfortable going to work uh, than the 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 next day. So I can I can absolutely, especially you know, uh, an issue that would stir up uh, a lot of white people. I could definitely see this just being, you know, this just being a, a, a movie coming attraction. You know, or the 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 promise of the next Dr. Dre album. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that concerns me is that if it doesn't come with education about how to actually activate that kind of wealth in terms of creating generational wealth with it, it'll just get soaked up by the capitalist hierarchy again anyway, and that these people will go from. You know, whatever level of payout it is, California is talking about a million dollars per person, which is extremely low considering what the reparations are for. But that it would just get like lottery winners. They lose most of their windfall right away. And people who don't have a consciousness about how to actually invest and create you know, sustainable systems for themselves would just get caught up in the day to day consumption lifestyle and that the capitalist system would soak up that revenue. Right. And, you know, generational wealth itself is kind of like a myth. It's not like it's not like kind of as 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 we see from this uh, liquefied white middle class. <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, you don't you, you, you don't just save you don't save you don't you don't piggy bank your way to the bourgeoisie. And and it's also and it's and it's not it's not like it's not like these uh, like this this ruling class um, it does not uh, uh, it, it does not enforce their wealth 
with a monopoly of violence, right? Does not require wars all over the world, does not require medical apartheid, does not require, like, extreme social violence keeps their their wealth and power and influence intact. In so you just getting your hands on a couple dollars, like, it's almost like money, it's, it's money and violence that makes money. Or makes wealth, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not not just uh, a, a little bit of uh, you know savvy. I don't even know if we could call it consciousness. You know, we could call it like maybe a little economic know-how, so that you don't don't lose that million. But if you have plans of ruling the world, you're gonna need an army. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that is the rule of empire. <laughs> that, right. But do you think individuals? generally speaking, want to rule the world? Um, well, that's, you know, if you look at these mass shootings, man, they just might, man, you know? Like, that is, it, it is kind of a, when it, it's almost like a zero-sum, you know, deification of yourself, you know? Like, like um I, I think especially as, you know, kind of stoked by, you know, this, this, this kind of like this really consolidated era of celebrity worship, you know, like, I mean, the working class was more, was more of a fan of itself, even in entertainment in the past, you had like sitcoms about the cat who, you know, yeah, literally, son, you know, what I mean, um, Alfred's son, or you know, like yeah, Al yeah. Bundy sells you. Right, yeah. The Simpsons, right? So it's just like all of these situations, you know, that are just down to earth working class situations, and also, you know, when you had like stars, you know. Um, they were like super great at what they did. It wasn't like people weren't just like famous for nothing yet, you know? So it was like, yeah, there were some people that were kind of like on Mount Olympus, but not for nothing. They kind of deserved to be there. <laughs> you know? I mean, we know that like, you know, there were these, you know, disgusting machines taking advantage of it, but still like it, when you're just looking at what people identify with, and how entertainment like enforces that and how education enforces that. And so now when you have like, you know, it's just kind of like you either have a godhood or you are nothing. You know what I mean? You are nobody. Um, there is this, you know, I, I think it does stoke in people this thirst uh, for some kind of for some kind of at whatever the, the quickest route to absolute power is. And we see that that's like, you know, that's a major part of 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 this is one of the major pillars of keeping like a white supremacist population. You know, uh, uh, rest in peace, uh, Mike Davis, you know, the, the, the sociologist who wrote Planet of Slums. I'm unfamiliar with him. Oh, it's a be- man. Planet of the Slums is a must read because because he's basically like, OK, for the first time in human history. More people live in cities than in the countryside, and here are the here are the ramifications. Um, and uh, so he was he was a brilliant sociologist, and he he wrote he, he I forget if it was an interview 
But basically, they were talking about Trumpism. And he was like, well, what you have to understand is at all times in the United States, like one third of all white people are literally like card carrying members of the Ku Klux Klan. Like, like what, like this is like white supremacy is a mass is, is a mass praxis. Right. Right. Um, it, it's not just like, oh, some people are really gung ho and then uh, every, the majority don't really care much either way. You have like a really enthusiastic, you have like people that like they are completely entranced by this praxis of white supremacy. And so this is this is how you keep them dialed in. Like, what is a lynching? It Mm. is a taste of godhood, you know, to be like, man, I'm going to we just going to take this cast life. We might not. we, We didn't have anything yesterday. We might not have anything tomorrow, but for but for this split second, we are lords of the universe. We can take this human body and completely desecrate it and 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 murder it. This is and this is also how you know this is this is kind of like how a hyper militarized society works too. Let me ask you this: Do you think there's a human element of that? Like we have our reptilian fight flight thing going on. So regardless of race, human beings, like kind of going back to your Buddhist thoughts at the beginning, is that part of our conscious evolution? See, I I wouldn't like metaphysicalize it to the point where it just dances in a vacuum and can apply itself to any part of the human journey just because here you have like basically – you have a couple genocides. Right. You know what I mean? Before, yeah. during, after, you know, hoped for, you have aspirational genocidal people, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's like you can't, we can't take the specific material reality that consciousness here, or really, well, now consciousness in the entire world is it's just been affected by imperialism. Uh, er- everywhere we can't we can't take that out of the equation or put another way like yeah i might be destructive when i'm agitated uh but you know what i mean like uh giving someone the stop there's a difference between like me getting agitated with some and, and giving someone the silent treatment and me getting agitated and killing somebody. You know what I mean? Right. And and then going into a system and being told you're okay. That was okay. You're and, right. And then, right. And, and, or, or, or man, that was beautiful. You know, like, man, did, did, did you, did you see the, um, man, there was, uh, what was, what's that conference? CPEC or something, that conservative conference. Yeah. And they were, and they were uh, cheering for Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. You know, the kid that killed the people right. in one of the George Floyd um, uprisings? Yeah. And they were like, Kyle, 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 Kyle. It's like, I mean, some dead people are still, regardless of how you feel about anything, like cheering someone's death is 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 bizarre man you know or, or i'll give you another another example man um so a, a white supremacist killed my cousin in saint paul minnesota a year and a half ago and um 
for parking behind his house. And I, I, I went, I went to, uh, the trial, the, the murder trial was just, uh, uh, when was it? It was like, what was that? March? Yeah, it was some, yeah, it was like sometime in March. Uh, and, um, man, his family and supporters, they were so casual. They were so nonchalant. And I'm just confused. Like, it doesn't matter if you, and then what was, you know, not hilarious, but, you know, what, what was just like, uh, like, I don't even know what, I, I don't even, I can't even do it justice, but basically, you know, so they, they, the, 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 the narrative was that my cousin approached, uh, this guy with anger and, and violence. And so he killed him in self-defense when a ring camera on a garage, there there was a ring camera on a garage that captured the whole thing. And uh, it showed my cousin coming out like, oh, so sorry, sir. I'm moving the car right now. Apologies. You know what I mean? Came up with a humility that you can't even fake, man. It wasn't even like a sarcastic or let me get this out the way. It was really like, oh, no, 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 no. My bad. My bad. Right. So, so even after this footage gets shown, they're still, you know, so whether that's a, you know, whether that was a kid that got killed or even a monster who got killed, death, uh, 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 an untimely death mm-hmm. is an untimely death and an untimely murder. Is an, this, this also should have an effect that like this cat got to walk around and be a murderer. Like we should all have respect for the gravity of this situation. We should all be in this courtroom solemn and respectful but these people were just like, you know, I mean, so it's just like it's 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 kind of like it's mind boggling what compounded white supremacy, compounded uh, militarization has just done to the mass to the mass psyche um, in, in general to just give everybody just like this this kind of like taste for murder of non-white people yeah that's what i'm hearing you say like part of my privilege as a white person is i can take a person of color's life and be heroized really man and and you know and is that you know it's accelerating now maybe there are a lot of cases like you know because before uh, they they were saying like well we know that that this extrajudicial killing by police of black people is you know is is nothing new and it's not but now it's being taped and so um you know now it's it's more public and and this in this instigates movements but I think man I would be interested in you know I, I think like what 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 was just as important to murder was Ahmaud Arbery, right? Around that same time, right? Because now you're seeing, like, like my cousin, like, what was that kid, the flute player? Ralph something, he just got shot. He was looking, he was trying to pick up his brothers. Right, right. And he went to, like, the avenue instead of Terrace. Like, he went to the same street, but it was, like, Avenue instead of Terrace or something like that. 
Right. And this dude shot him in the head. Yeah. And, right. Right. And then went back to that. Now you have you have all these kind of so called civilians that want to part that want to participate in this in this white supremacist violence and, and think they can really get away with it. Well, and they can. That's the unfortunate reality of this, the way the system's working right now is that they are getting away with it. Yeah, I, I'd be really I'd be really interested in the numbers, man. Like. I think I have, somebody should do that shit. Somebody should do that study. Like part of what I'm holding, and I'm kind of looking for opinion and some guidance in this, because right when that young gentleman was going to pick up his brother and sister and was shot because he accidentally went to the right house, within that week, there was that young six-year-old girl that ran into the um, neighbor's yard to get a basketball and the gentleman shot her father and was shooting at her. And this gentleman was a gentleman of color. And, of course, part of the narrative that I heard is, well, this is not a factor of white supremacy, like the young flute payer gentleman. This is just happening socially. Oh, man, I would, I would, again, I, I, I would love, I, I would love for it to, I would love for, 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 for zealous, uh, home defense to magically exist, man, in a, in a, in a vacuum and, and, and be, and, 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 and just come down and apply itself to different to different individuals, man. But that's that's just not the social reality. And you know, it, it's like, and that, that's also not the history. And so I would like I would be careful, you know. Even when they look at, you know, even when they like they try to hold up, like, oh, um. You know the cops that stop the one kid, beat the one kid to death in Memphis. What was his name? I There's don't so many know. Cases I can't even keep track. Right, right. Well, they're they're sort of the answer so, to it so, right so, there. So, so, so they were all black police officers, right? Mm-hmm. But now surrogates of the white power structure are surrogates of the white power structure, regardless. And also, you know, man, hegemony is hegemony. You know, so so it's like I don't I all that to say like as long as you have a white power structure, as long as you have this white ruling class, you are gonna have this mass violence. Right? And especially you're gonna have this especially heinous um you know, uh mass 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 violence uh perpetuated against like, you know, like, like where, where, you know, people are just looking to kill somebody, you know, cause it's just like, like, like this cat who killed my cousin, like he came out palming a shank, right? Um, with, with like, like a perfect assassin's tool because it wasn't intimidating. And it was easy to kind of like to hold in the hand and, and you didn't even see it. It was like this big handle. Like a good grippable handle, but a, like a sliver 
of a of a stabbing utensil. And so, and my cousin was even confused for a split second, like because the dude would not let him get in his car, and he was like amping himself up. You can't be on my property. You can't be on my property. And then boom. I mean, it was, it was, it was like that. So, you know, like, would that have happened to a white kid? <laughs> no. no, no. Uh, the you young know. flutist name is Elijah McLean, I believe based on my mm-hmm. internet research that I did. And I would love it if you would please name your cousin. Uh, uh, AJ Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Stewart. Uh, the the dude was, the dude was found guilty, but, uh, they, they, um, he was granted, uh, uh, his, his, uh, defense lawyer is trying to argue that one of the jurors, uh, showed, bias against uh, uh, white police officers based on a Facebook post on George Floyd and therefore is biased against white people. (laughs) So so what was supposed to be a sentencing hearing on uh, the 17th of this month uh, is is now going to be a, a, a hearing on um, on on whether this guy gets a new uh, gets a new trial. I mean, it's ridiculous, man. I mean, this cat was really like dead to rights, man. I mean, the whole thing. I, I mean, this isn't I was, a murder. We are, you know, what is like it's just from your description. I, I mean, I'm. I was super when when sitting in the courtroom seeing all this evidence. I was surprised this dude went to trial. Like I was like, why didn't he try to get a deal to do? Because I could have sworn everybody sees all the evidence <laughs> before the whole before the circus begins. So just like looking at it, man, I was just like, how did you look at this and thought, man? I mean, only through only through a white supremacist lens. Because it's just like only if you feel like every black person, regardless of anything, is a threat. Um, I want to switch, if we can, and pivot here if we might. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of implicit recognition of the need to burn down the system as we look yeah. at this right through this frame. And the question that comes up to me, comes up for me in conversations like this is, what does it look like after we do that? What is it that we create to replace what we burn down? And I'm wondering if you have a vision for that. Yeah, I mean, well, one, you don't necessarily have to burn things down as much as just transform what's already there. So, like... You know, imagine if a Stanford education was free and open admissions. Imagine, you know, uh, proper health care being, you know, being free. You can take the different, like you can take the various kind of facets of reality and just transform the way they're organized and performed. And you have a like a wonderfully new society, <laughs> you know. You know, if you take the exploitation, like if you lower the, like if I can come out of the grocery store having paid 
uh, 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 $20 instead of 200 man. I'm walking on air, man. You know? And, and oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the documentary. Oh, man. There's this documentary. Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Just take a breath. It might come. It, 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 it never does. It always gets, it always, it's like right there, but I, 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 we'll be here all. We'll, well, what's we'll, it about? What's the point? But the point of the documentary was that, uh, that actually the cost of food, the high price of food comes down to distribution. It's not in the it's it's not with the growers, it's not with the farmers. It's 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 in the it's 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 the food companies and their and their and in the grocery stores. That is why by the time it gets to us everything is ridiculously expensive. So it's like it's not even necessary for the productive process of food for us to 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 spend an arm and a leg. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like a, a burning down. It can really just be a transformation of what's what's already there. But, you know, man, that's a part. This is also, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the cycle. It's the psychological requirement, man, of capitalism to keep people under pressure they can't let us breathe. They can't give us a little bit of a reprieve. It has to be constant exertion. If you're going to like coerce the people really to work against their interests and to play along with a reality that is just like completely suffocating them, you know, you have to keep us desperate. When people who ought to change the system have great need to change the system and the limits of their imagination are co-opted by the system in the expression of violence is the concept for the answer. It's still perpetuating itself. And so the idea is that hope arises out of there being some articulated new potential vision. And for myself, I'll just say that the repeal of Citizens United is an essential piece. It's just one piece, but it's also the, the the delisting of corporate charters after five years, which was part of the original structural way it worked. You could have stock to get money together to launch your enterprise. And then after five years, that stock was no longer tradable or dis- and had to dissipate. So if we mm. change those two things about our society, we would change the way money works at a f- really fundamental level. And we'd have a lot less top-down monopolistic control and more competition and, we could see the emergence of enterprise that rises from the lower class and the middle class because those people work. <laughs> they know how to create reality. So that's interesting. So what? So so like basically, a corporation just evaporates after five years. Their shares. Oh, that's interesting. That's and that was the original way it worked. You could only sell a stock in the United States and own a stock for that period of time. And then what you were left with was you were left with the percentage of the enterprise, meaning if you were a holder of the stock, when the stock, you still owned the company, but it wasn't tradable anymore through mm-hmm. certificate cert, certificates. So you move, you, you destroy the market of certification 
and the, and the profit center that that becomes. And now it's all about owning the means, right? If you are so, if you invest, you're part of it. After five years, I'm part of a tomato mm-hmm. farm, right? And I can still sell my interest, but I can't sell ten percent of it today and try to short it tomorrow and play all of those economic games with that that aspect of of ownership and that ownership becomes functional again but but man in these times man where there's so much sleight of hand in in the, in the kind of like the financialization of capital man I don't even care, but man, where does it even exist? <laughs> well, that's the thing is we need to articulate potential steps that we can take that make it worth breaking down the system to those points of view, to those things. And those solutions need to be articulable and specific and measurable enough that people can arise in hope of achievement of something instead of being caught up in the language of violence as their only way of, of uh, reparation. And it, I think that there's, there's also something to be said for worker-owned cooperatives Yep, and, and for, you know, worker-owned cooperatives. Like there's that, uh, what is them, uh, in the uh, Mondragon, in uh, Spain, there's like in the what are they? Bathis, Bathis, in, 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 in oh, Basque, the Basque people, Basque, Basque, yes, yeah. So, so, so they have uh, they they have there's this uh, this area where um, like everything is cooperatives from hmm. running from like major industrial operations down to like the corner store and you know like if one business fails they give you education and plug you into another operation you know and you can kind of like you can really create a kind of an economy of scale um you know that's all facilitated by by cooperatives there's 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 some there's something to me in fact there's actually like a, a pretty pretty uh, substantial and substantive uh, cooperative movement um, that uh, that that has been, you know, operating, um, you know, I, I became aware of it like 10, 15 years ago. And I'm, so I'm sure it, it runs uh, even farther and deeper. Um, but it's basically along the lines of what you're saying, um, you know, instead of thinking in terms of burning things down, let's think in terms of like recreation. Um, and so it, it was an interesting kind of almost felt like a, a, a reformation um, pulling from, you know, everyone from, you know, uh, so-called radicals to uh you know, venture capitalists who seen the light, you know what I mean, to, uh, you know, uh, 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 cats with, you know, serious know-how, whatever their their, their craft is. Um, it, it was, it was a, you know, it was, it's, and I, it's, a, it's a movement that's, that's, that's still going on. It feels like it's the role of artists to bring to the light of imagination the form of these new shapes and possibilities. Like we need artists to articulate or even 
you know, just documentary filmmakers to go to Basque and do tell those stories so that people can get some kind of a, a, assimilatable sense of a forward motion, of a place to go that gives them more than just the, the idea of perpetual slavery and entrapment and violent insurrection. And uh, I, I do, Lord, will agree with you, man. It, uh, I, I just recently read in uh, that, that book of hers, uh, Sister Outsider, one of the essays in there, um, she basically says that, like, you know, to imagine liberation is virtually impossible for someone who has been living in this kind of, like, in a captive society. So what the kind of like enter a poet to just give you a little bit of, you know, kind of an embryonic imagining of what a new day can look like or what a new mind might look like interacting with reality in a more, you know, in a more liberated a more liberated way. Interesting. Interestingly, too, um, even in the distillation of the horrors of oppression as well, enter the artist. Man, I, I, I was watching that. You, you ever? I forget, man. I'm always forgetting. <laughs> I see a pattern here, but there yeah, was. You was You're not alone. <laughs> there was a. Um, uh, there was some kind of like documentary on The Shining, right? Because, you know, there's all of these theories, all these conspiracy yes, yeah, theories. I like, do remember that. Like, 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 oh, like Kubrick was admitting that he was the part of faking the moon landing, like he was the one who shot, right. who shot the moon landing footage. But then there was another, there was a, a, another almost theory that wasn't actually much of a conspiracy. It was actually pretty interesting. Basically, he, he said... Well, maybe she said that uh, uh, that basically the shining is about colonization hmm. and and all of the genocide that comes with it. But your mind would not be able to handle the billions of, uh, you know, the, the, the billions of uh, events of violence. And so here is an ex- like an accessible distillation of of this in this in this movie and there are all these like kind of easter eggs especially concerning like murder of mass murder of indigenous people all throughout the all throughout the film so there you know so there's the there's the the artists on both ends right on both on like let me help you come to terms with what's going on and let me help you uh, come to terms with what's possible you know, it just occurs to me that I think there's a lot of hope if we are able to bring this knowledge into the education of young children at a very young age. And throughout the educational process, it continues to be built upon. Like, I just learned of the Tulsa massacre from watching that HBO show when they started it. Oh, with, uh, Lovecraft Country? Yeah. Oh, and I thought, oh, that's an amazing, powerful beginning to this story. And then I learned, oh, that was real. Yeah, man. You know, and, and I'm kind of a man. I'm a I'm a testament to that. As I was taught early, 
Well, you know, for as long as I can remember, there was this um, this history and analysis. And uh, fear not, dear listeners, it did not give me any nightmares. Uh, you know, so you can go ahead and expose your kids to the truth. You know what I mean? You know what gave me nightmares as a child? I don't. Uh, Lady Eloise in uh, 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 Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, that puppet. Oh, she was scary. <laughs> that puppet, man, used to chase me around, man. Chase me around relentlessly in my <laughs> in my dreams, man. That was yeah. So Tulsa, <laughs> Tulsa don't ring. Don't worry, the kids gonna gonna have nightmares anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but it all it, it's, it's not necessarily the truth. You know? Are so, you Tongo, What's coming up for you? Where are you seeing your next level of artistic expression arising? What are what are you getting ready to create or? Um, well, uh, I have another, uh, book with city lights, um, uh, kind of yet to be determined, uh, release. Um, and I'm also a new, uh, member of the last poets. So, uh, and how does that play out? How does the being in the last poets Represent uh, man, an opportunity. You, you know, I'm not sure, man. You know, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm I, I think it's it's going to be kind of like a beautiful improvisation, uh, a beautiful collect collective improvisation. But basically, you know, the the, the old guard of the last poets, um, or the the first guard, the original guard, the main guard. Uh, the holy guard <laughs> uh, decided that you know they, they they didn't want the mantle to to die with them that they right. wanted to you know they wanted to keep going and so I'm um, the next uh, uh, I was just announced to be the, in the next kind of incarnation of it. The Congratulations. next the uh, next last poem. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Right on, right on. Very cool. Um, is there a responsibility that you have as the poet laureate of San Francisco? No, it's pretty relaxed. I, I mean, you know, we're, I mean, you, you can't help but, um, you know, kind of brush up against institutions that usually don't engage poetry. Um, and, you know, so, and for the most part, I'm a good sport about it. <laughs> but, uh, nah, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's pretty relaxed. Cool. And maybe just due to kind of like, you know, the, the giants that, that came before, you know, like, what are you going to ask, you know, America Tani to do that she hasn't? <laughs> I mean, like, like, what were you going to say to her? Or what were you going to say to Diane DePrima? Like, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, that, 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 so, so I, you know, I, I come on, I come on the shoulders of, 
of Giants, man. Yeah. Well, w- say again the title of your next book. If if you oh, I didn't, man. I it's didn't not title, but it's coming on, on <laughs> City Lights. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I have the you know I have the, the two already. Like if people want to check them out, I have the two two books with City Lights. Uh, the someone's the dead already is on Bookstrap. Bootstrap. Bootstrap. Yeah, yeah. Heaven is all goodbyes, and then what's the other one? Uh, blood on the fog, blood on the fog. Yeah, blood on the fog. Um, and then, uh, like you mentioned, there's the uh, the record. Um, that's on Bandcamp. Yeah, uh, it's I go to the railroad tracks and follow them to the station of my enemies. Is uh, a record that you can get at TungusandMartinBandcamp.com. Yeah. And I bought that this morning before our interview, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Oh, right on, right on. Um, I think it's a good spot to wrap it up. Um, I'm really grateful for your presence and for your brilliance and for your insight and taking the time to share with us all of those things. Um, and one of the things that we like to have as part of what we cultivate is that this is a relationship and that if you ever need anything, or if you ever want to talk to us again, there's a reason to come back, please reach out to us. If if there's something we can do, connect with us, we would love to hear from you and, and continues to support. And after we end the broadcast, I have something I want to mention to you, if you would stick around, but I don't want it to get sorry. Can I say something in peace? Uh, man, let us all take some time to uh, get Mumia Abu Jamal back on our on our minds. Uh, I don't know if people have been following, but even more evidence came up. Uh, really, that should exonerate him. If, but at the very least, grant him a new trial. And this federal judge just denied him a new evidentiary hearing even though in these boxes bro there's even the like evidence of witnesses being bribed like they have a a, a witness saying like where's my money (laughs) to to the prosecution you know i mean we got you know you got judges saying like i'm gonna help them fry this n-word you know so it's just like man it's ridiculous um and he was just denied this evidentiary hearing. So and I think part of the reason why they're able to continue this, um, you know, can, can charade of justice. Charade, right. Um, uh, is because he has moved out of the mass imagination mm. in a way that, you know, like 20, 30 years ago, it was a lot stronger. So, I just hope that everybody, you know, like let's 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 lift his name back up. Um, if there are some organizing efforts going on, tap in with those. See what see if there is, you know, see what's going on. Um, invent some efforts yourself, letter writing, whatever. But um, like we we really can't we we can't let him die. Yeah, and if anyone is not familiar with the um, struggle of Mumia Abu-Jamal, you can find out quite a bit by going to the Pacifica Radio Archives or kpfa.org archives. He had a show on public radio for a long time, as well as there's a lot of information there about the 
the the tragic events of his incarceration and the miscarriage of judge, judgment or justice that is part of that story. So if you need to know more, you can go to those two sources. Right on. Tongo, thank you very, very much for sharing your presence with us. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad we ran in. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm grateful you were open to it, man. Thank you. Right on. Right on. Phew. Ah. <laughs> Recording stopped.